This episode of Geeks Crossing is brought to you by today's sponsor, Anchor. Ever wanted to start a podcast but can't find the right platform to work with? Don't worry, Anchor has you covered. Anchor is a free audio app that allows you to record a podcast on any device no matter where you are. Anchor includes an editing feature that allows you to customize your podcast, whether it be on your computer or mobile device, so you can easily omit any errors or unnecessary parts. Anchor also allows you to distribute your podcast to other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Podcasts, which is amazing. Did I mention the part about making money? No? Well, you could be earning money every time someone listens to your podcast with no minimum listenership. If that's not the easiest way to make a podcast, I don't know what is. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet the Muppets on Renaissance Matt tonight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Geeks Crossing. I'm Matt, or at least I was the last time I checked. And today we'll be taking you on another Renaissance Matt journey. Today we're going to be going through America's most iconic puppet comedy troupe, The Muppets. How'd they get started? What's happened to them since? And where might they go? Let's look. So to start off with the history of The Muppets, we go back to 1955, where a young Jim Henson devised a sketch comedy variety show about a series of Muppets. And the word Muppet is actually a portmanteau of the word marionette and puppet. And he pictures them having goofy conversations, going on antics. Uh, it's intended to be geared towards adults, actually. And when it starts out, these Muppet characters are not on a show called The Muppets or The Muppet Show. Uh, the program is called Sam and Friends, starring the adventures of one Sam puppet. And sees the iconic character Kermit the Frog created as a character on Sam and Friends. This show will go on until 1961. Uh, it will air on local broadcast television. Unfortunately, that means we have a lot, uh, a, a big hole in the library because a lot of that stuff didn't get saved. So we can only wonder what a lot of those episodes were like. After that, the 1960s Henson's Muppet-centric comedy gains a lot of popularity. An early Muppet, Ralph the Dog begins appearances on The Jimmy Dean Show, a popular talk show at the time. This leads up to 1969. Henson gets approached by Joan Gans Cooney and Lloyd Morissette, a producer and an educator, respectively, who have teamed up to develop a public broadcasting children's show about puppets. And, of course, they believe Henson is the perfect man to go to. Henson agrees to provide puppeteering and acting for the show in exchange for keeping the rights to all the Muppet characters created for this new show which would include characters named Ernie, Bert, and Cookie Monster. I think you know what we're getting to here. Sesame Street is born 1969. Kermit makes regular appearances, as does Rolf the Dog. That takes us to the early to mid-1970s. Sesame Street becomes a smash hit among children's entertainment, and Muppet involvement in it makes Henson and the Muppets very popular. Henson begins creating some pilots for a Muppet show, including the Muppets Valentine Show and Muppets Sex and Violence, which introduced staple Muppets like Sam the Eagle, the Swedish Chef, and members of the classic band The Electric Mayhem, including Animal. Now, fun fact, Muppets Sex and Violence was not actually about sex and violence. That probably would have been a little disturbing. He called it that as more of a sign for the adult direction he wanted to gear his shows towards. Not adult like smut, but adult as in geared towards adult. You know, adults could watch it and get a laugh out of it. More edgy, right, than, than just Sesame Street. Well, he finally gets his wish in 1976. The Muppets gets picked up for a TV program called, perhaps not very creatively, The Muppet Show. 
The show introduces a variety of new characters, most famously Fozzie Bear, the great Gonzo, and Miss Piggy, and becomes renowned for its sketch comedy, unique puppet focus, use of guest stars, and vaudeville-style humor. The show gets nominated for 21 Emmys in its run from 1976 to 1981. It wins four of them, including Outstanding Variety Series. This leads up to 1979. The Muppet Movie gets released. Using, of course, the success from The Muppet Show and money made off of that success, they're able to actually fund a movie. In 1981, following the success of The Muppet Movie, The Great Muppet Caper is released, followed by The Muppets Take Manhattan in 1984. It's worth noting that the 80s also sees Henson directing the movies The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth, as well as creating a new show called Fraggle Rock, which is actually getting a reboot now, from what I understand. 1989, at the tail end of the 80s, Henson enters talks with Michael Eisner and Walt Disney Studios. Disney acquires Jim Henson Studios and the Muppets. Disney wants to buy the property outright, but Henson isn't keen on selling away the entire Muppet brand. Still, part of the deal goes well enough that Disney's permitted to begin work on Muppet attractions at their theme parks. They even plan, fun fact, 1991 for a Muppet Land takeover of Disneyland. So there's a fun fact for you. It never comes into fruition, but... We'll talk a little bit about that. And part of the reason why it doesn't come into fruition, as well as part of the reason all these talks collapse at all, is because in 1990, tragedy strikes. Jim Henson dies at 53 from toxic shock syndrome, a form of bacterial infection that resulted in total organ failure. Doctors said if he'd treated it a few hours earlier, while he was still writing it off as not a big deal, he might have been saved. But really, it was just a total freak accident. In an age where people thought, you know, Bacterial infections is kind of a thing of the past. Unfortunately, this is a grim reminder for a lot of people that that's not the case. You still have to, you know, take antibiotics and that kind of thing. After a heartbreaking funeral procession, during which Henson's friends and fellow performers sang some of the best-known songs from Sesame Street and the Muppets, I promise you, if you watch even a minute from any of these performances, you'll get misty-eyed immediately. It's so painful to watch. Henson was cremated. The direction of the Muppets was unclear. The 90s saw a somewhat awkward time for the Muppets. Completely understandable. The cast and crew behind the show had just watched the brand's beloved creator die painfully young, with only confusion ahead for how the Muppets should continue. Brian and Lisa, Henson's two children, well two of them, took on leadership roles in their father's company. They would become the chairman and CEO, respectively, for the Jim Henson Company. Henson's other three children, John, Cheryl, and Heather, would also take leadership roles, which they maintain to this day, with the lone exception of John Henson, who tragically died in 2014. Steve Whitmire, who created and voiced Rizzo the Rat in Muppet Productions starting in the 80s, took over as Henson's legendary character Kermit the Frog, among other roles. The new realignment resulted in bitter warfare between the five Henson kids, determined to keep the Muppet IP in the family, and Disney, with whom Jim had been in the early stages of cooperation upon his untimely death. This clash became apparent in 1991, when Disney released the product of their Muppet theme park tinkering, Muppet Vision 3D, at what is now Hollywood Studios in Walt Disney World. The Henson kids took Disney to court over this venture, but ultimately Disney won the rights to keep the attraction active. Disney pitched in to produce the next two theatrical Muppet films, now directed by Brian Henson, The Muppet's Christmas Carol in 1992 and Muppet Treasure Island in 1996, both based on two 19th century English classics. In 1996, the Muppets attempted their first post-Jim original movie with 
Muppets from Space, which sadly did not find the success it was seeking at the box office, though it has reemerged as somewhat of a cult classic in recent years. Coupled with a new Muppet show styled after late-night New York talk shows of the 90s, Muppets Tonight, which similarly failed to find its footing, the fate of the Muppets was definitely uncertain at the turn of the century. The Jim Henson Company was sold to the group EM.TV and Merchandising in 2000 for $680 million, but EMTV saw its stock collapse in 2003 under investigations for fraud. The Henson family rebought the rights to the Muppets, but then lost the rights to Henson's original Sesame Street characters in the process, as they had been sold to Sesame Workshop by EMTV before the Henson family had a chance to buy them. This is why you won't see Ernie, Bert, or the Cookie Monster appearing in the Muppets anytime soon. In 2004, hedging their bets, the Henson family finally sold the intellectual rights of the Muppets to Disney for $75 million. Disney got ownership of the most Muppet films and TV shows, as well as the Jim Henson Company's new TV program, Bear in the Big Blue House. The Hensons kept much of their property, but Disney's ownership of the brand would see a massive turning point in the IP. Disney formed the Muppet Studios as a subsidiary to deal with the Muppets, and trademarked the term Muppet for future use. Though they would license the term to Sesame Workshop for its characters, this is why technically Elmo and Telly and Prairie Dawn and Grover, all of those are technically Muppets, even though they're Sesame Street characters. Gosh, I remember Sesame Street characters way too well. <laughs> Sadly... This purchase did very little to alter the course of the Muppets. It was a turning point, of course, in the history, but did very little in the long run to change things. As it had been in the 1990s, the Muppet brand awkwardly floundered before and after the Disney purchase. Kermit's Swamp Years, a straight-to-DVD film released just before Disney acquired the Muppets, followed Kermit and a gang of frogs on a wacky misadventure during Kermit's pre-Muppet years, and it did poorly both critically and financially. Disney's purchase of the Muppets saw some appearances on the Disney Channel here and there, as well as two new movies, Muppets Wizard of Oz in 2005, which played around with the 90s formula of Muppets parodying famous works, remember Muppets Christmas Carol and Treasure Island, and Muppets Letters from Santa in 2008, a feel-good Christmas special with nothing of note other than some admittedly creative celebrity cameos, including a memorable one of Nathan Lane as a TSA agent, and Michael Bloomberg as himself, mayor of New York City at the time. I wonder if Bloomberg had actually become president, this movie could have been the fun cameo for him that Home Alone 2 was for Donald Trump. But I digress. In a 2008 article in the New York Times, Brooks Barnes notes the awkwardness which with the Muppet IP was being handled at the time. Most children, it was reported, could not even identify Kermit the Frog or Miss Piggy more often than not, let alone Fozzie or Gonzo. According to the article, when Disney purchased the Muppets, they believed the brand would rake in $300 million a year in merchandising sales alone. At the time of Barnes' writing, it only raked in barely $50 million a year. The Muppet Old Guard became divided on Disney's operation, especially with a new CEO, Bob Iger, at the helm. Frank Oz, the performer and director who'd created such iconic roles as Miss Piggy and Fozzie Bear, was deeply unhappy with Disney's lazy, shameless use of the Muppets. While Brian Henson saw it differently, he was happy that the entertainment giant was moving slowly with the Muppet brand, as opposed to churning out mediocrity. The ultimate issue seemed to be the never-ending question of, what should the Muppets be? Anyone could have given you a different answer. Jim Henson liked his Muppets to be semi-edgy, geared towards adults even, as opposed to Sesame Street's children approach. Disney, however, had a reputation, and still does to a large extent, 
of being exceptionally child-friendly, and the rosy, heartwarming Letters from Santa special seemed to show that this was the direction Disney wanted to push the Muppets. Then, the new decade came, and everything changed. The 2011 film, only titled The Muppets, and colloquially referred to today as Muppets 2011, was a smash hit. At the dawn of the 2010s, a new trend seemed to be emerging in Hollywood, remaking and revitalizing IPs so far gone it seemed impossible. It's hard to credit the start of this trend, uh, though I like to think of 1999-2000, the bizarre remakes of Dudley Do-Right and Rocky and Bullwinkle from the early 1960s. I think Rocky and Bullwinkle, that movie is actually like a cult classic now. I'm not actually sure. However, around the 2010s start with the likes of remakes of Alvin and the Chipmunks, Yogi Bear, and the Smurfs, which were financially successful but critical disasters, the Muppets emerged at the perfect moment. It was crammed with nostalgia, heart, jokes, and of course celebrity guests. It also seemed to be remarkably self-aware. The plot hinges around the idea that no one remembers the Muppets anymore. Yet excited fanboy Walter leads his brother and his brother's fiancé on a mad dash to reassemble the greatest puppet comedy group the world has ever seen in order to save the old Muppet Studios. In the movie, as well as outside of the movie, the world remembers to love the Muppets again. For arguably the first time since Jim Henson's death, and perhaps even before that, the Muppets were a raving success once again. The film won an Academy Award for Best Song, and by the way, what a soundtrack in that movie. And the Muppets received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. On a personal note, this movie was pretty much how I discovered the Muppets, and I fell in love at the time, binging the old Muppet show, receiving a beaker puppet for Christmas one year, and eagerly awaiting new Muppet content. I wish I still had that beaker puppet, but sadly, bit the dust a while ago. And where else to go for them but a sequel? Muppets Most Wanted began development following the hit success of the 2011 film. In typical self-awareness, Kermit the Frog sings about this in the opening ensemble number of Muppets Most Wanted. We're doing a sequel, the studio wants more, he and his friends chirp in the song, literally titled We're Doing a Sequel. The movie was released in 2014, a year after Jane Henson, the wife of Jim, passed away following a battle with cancer. Muppets Most Wanted takes place after the Muppets return to limelight in 2011, and the group is now heading out on a world tour. During this tour, a wanted criminal infiltrates the group's ranks. Predictably, hijinks ensue. All in all, I found this to be a pretty solid movie. The celebrity guests, Ty Burrell, Ricky Gervais, Tina Fey, happen to be some of my favorite celebrities today. Uh, the songs are catchy, and the Muppet humor is definitely present. But unfortunately, the film was a box office failure. It cost $51 million to make, but it only made a little over $80 million in return. So it didn't lose money, but certainly could have made back a lot more. It was no Muppets 2011. Disney went back to the drawing board after this financial failure. After years of struggling with the Muppet brand, it seemed that they had finally struck gold, only for Muppets Most Wanted ticket sales to dump a bucket of cold water on their heads. What now? Disney decided that, if moviegoers did not care for the Muppets anymore, perhaps the brand could be moved to television. This resulted in a new show on ABC, again just titled The Muppets, colloquially referred to as Muppets ABC or The Muppets 2015. In this show, Miss Piggy has a Jimmy Fallon-style talk show on late-night TV, and the rest of the Muppets are the show's crew, including Gonzo, Rizzo, and Pepe as the writers, Sam the Eagle as the broadcast standards executive, Fozzie as the warm-up comedian, and of course, Kermit the Frog as the director. Actually, my family had watched each episode as they released on ABC, and my brothers and I rewatched the show on Disney Plus a few months back. It was, it was a 
okay, it was good. You know what? It was good, you know? It definitely had a lot of funny moments. I'll confess, it was a bit weird at times watching Kermit the Frog talking about his thing for pigs. Gonzo invest in real estate. Rizzo and Pepe get drunk. Fozzie deal with his girlfriend's prejudiced parents. It was funny, though. Yeah, it was funny. It was just really weird. <laughs> I can't decide how I felt about it. I, I think it was good, but it was weird. Again, I'm not sure how I thought about it, but audiences and critics sure did. And they were disappointed. They did like a lot of the adult humor, but they found the characterization a bit off. I guess my opinion was closer to theirs than I initially believed. I didn't notice this at the time. Critics also pined for more music, though. Thinking back, the Muppet movie, Muppets 2011, and Muppets Most Wanted had some real bangers. Even the Muppet Show and Muppets Tonight weren't afraid to get musical at times. Outside of some great little moments, like when the crew sing karaoke at the bar, in one of my favorite episodes of the show, actually, and when the crew erupts into an acapella rendition of the theme song during a brainstorming session, other than little examples like that, which are actually really fun, Muppets 2015 is void of much musical talent at all. Perhaps this was the nail in the coffin. Though season one ended on a cliffhanger, the show got canned. And that was Muppets content for a while. The brand didn't show any signs of life in terms of new movies or television adaptations, but a massive controversy did erupt shortly after the Muppets ABC got canceled. In October of 2016, Steve Whitmire, who had played Kermit the Frog since Jim Henson's death, was ousted from the role. Though this would not be publicly revealed until almost a full year later, in July 2017, Disney consulted with the Henson family before making this decision, and both parties agreed he would get the boot. According to Brian Henson, as early as the mid-1990s, Whitmire had begun making, quote, outrageous demands, unquote, and Brian regretted not firing him earlier. Notoriously, Whitmire refused to train an understudy, making it awkward for when Disney wanted Kermit the Frog to appear at smaller ceremonies or events when Whitmire was not able to attend. Whitmire, on the other hand, claimed he'd been fired because Disney didn't like how edgy he was portraying the character of Kermit the Frog having the character grapple with loneliness and hopelessness at multiple points in Muppets 2011, Muppets Most Wanted, and Muppets ABC, in contrast to his usual banjo-strumming happy leader persona. Regardless of which arguments are true, Whitmire was fired, and he was replaced with Matt Vogel. Vogel has been with the Jim Henson Company since 1993 and has played a variety of ensemble characters prior to 2017, including Lou Zealand, Uncle Deadly, Sweetums, Camilla the Chicken, and Floyd Pepper, among others. One of Vogel's best-known roles in recent years has been that of Constantine, the most wanted criminal and Kermit doppelganger from Muppets Most Wanted, and I think he was also briefly a meme a few years back. However, in his puppetry career, Vogel's most iconic performances come not from the Muppets, but from Sesame Street. He's played the Count since 2013, and served as the understudy to the legendary Carol Spinney, the puppeteer who performed as Big Bird since the character's creation. Vogel's understudy work began in 1998, and he officially inherited the iconic role in 2015 upon Spinney's retirement. Spinney loved his understudy, and happily noted that Vogel means bird in German. Go figure. With such a full plate, starring as arguably Sesame Street's most enduring character, it came as a surprise to many, myself included, that he would even have the time to play Kermit the Frog. But from 2017 onward, the Muppets were fairly quiet. A performance at the Hollywood Bowl here, a viral video there. Then, when Disney Plus entered development, Disney pulled out all the stops to entice as many people to get it as possible. They advertised all their IPs. Star Wars, Marvel, Frozen, High School Musical, Phineas and Ferb, bringing original content to the platform starring their characters and universes. 
The Muppets, of course, was one of these. An original idea, Muppets Live Another Day, would have followed the exploits of the Muppets after the events of Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah, the movie from the 80s. I'm deeply curious as to what they were planning to explore with that idea, but sadly it was never, never came into fruition. Um, I'm very, <laughs> I discovered that today actually, it's very interesting. Finally, Muppets Now was announced in 2019. Originally just a sketch comedy show, following the onset of the COVID-19 lockdown, the project was restylized. Each episode would now feature Scooter uploading various Muppet segments to Disney+, Plus, while receiving criticism, feedback, encouragement, or distraction from one or more other Muppets, Fozzie, Animal, Statler, and Waldorf, etc. Each episode would consist of four segments, pulled from a pool of a possible six, and the show would only run for six episodes in its initial season. Interestingly, a lot of the, form the format from Muppets ABC sticks around in this new 2020 incarnation. Uncle Deadly, a nefarious and sinister dragon, is still Miss Piggy's personal assistant, a role he first took in 2015. And characters who first got their speaking roles in Muppets ABC, like the sassy rat Yolanda and the awkward IT guy Chip, reappear in these same roles in 2020. As I said, the show pulls from a pool of six potential segments. Okie dokie cookin', a cooking show hosted by a turkey named Beverly Plume, which pits a real chef against the Swedish chef. Pepe's unbelievable game show, which sees Pepe come up with his own game show on the fly, to Scooter's chagrin. Lifestyle with Miss Piggy, a segment in which Miss Piggy dispenses life advice. Muppets Labs Field Test, a science show where Bunsen and Beaker test theories. Mupp Close and Personal, a fairly typical interview segment where a Muppet interviews a celebrity. And Muppet Masters, in which Walter, appearing for the first time since Muppets Most Wanted, talks to a Muppet about their skills and abilities. The release of Muppets Now in Summer 2020 was what inspired me to make this episode. After watching it, I can say with confidence that, even 30 years after Jim Henson's tragic death, the Muppet brand still has absolutely no idea what it wants to be. Muppets Now is clunky, awkward, and repetitive. Of the six segments the show pulls from, Okie Dokie Cookin' and Muppets Labs Field Test are in five out of the six episodes. Lifestyle appears in all six. Pepe's Game Show appears three times, as does Mutt Close and Personal, while Muppet Masters only appears twice in the entire show. This is even worse due to the fact that Okie Dokie Cookin' and Muppets Labs Field Test are unbearably unfunny. The former is a run-of-the-mill cooking show with a real chef and real recipes, while the Swedish chef misinterprets the instructions and does something like pour a box of baking soda on his cheese souffle, jokes like that, and they get old fast. After five segments of it, there's very little to enjoy comedically. If you like cooking, you might like the segment, but not because it's funny. And aren't the Muppets supposed to be funny? Muppet Lab Field Test is similarly bland. Kermit the Frog and a new character, Joe from Legal, the Muppet Lawyer, do a bit about how you shouldn't try this stuff at home. Bunsen goes through some scientific theory or important scientist, cutely animated as Muppet characters, before partaking in an experiment where the joke is Beaker's misery. When they test a hydraulic crusher, Bunsen eventually decides to solely crush items from Beaker's childhood. When Bunsen finds a new robot assistant in one episode, he plainly ignores Beaker. I get it. The whole shtick is that Beaker gets hurt from the experiments. That's always been their thing. But it's usually through Bunsen's carelessness or Beaker's accident-prone nature. Bunsen shoving Beaker's childhood teddy bear into a hydraulic pressing machine is just an attempt to for force laughter that not only does not work at all, but also results in shifting Bunsen and Beaker's dynamic from that of an absent-minded scientist and his unfortunate assistant to a sadistic scientist who delights in the torture of his minion. 
Those are the worst segments. And of course, they appear five out of the six times. Lifestyle with Miss Piggy's de- decent. Classic Miss Piggy, the diva. You know, if you are a Miss Piggy fan, you're really going to love it. Pepe's unbelievable game show is probably my favorite segment. Pepe's random rules that he makes up as he goes along. And Scooter's constant confusion and apologies to the contestants. It makes the segment incredibly fun and goofy. Keeps you on your toes. Mup Close and Personal's okay. Though the final segment that pitted Fozzie and Seth Rogen in a room full of creepy Muppet babies, totally ad-libbing the entire time, was the best segment in the entire series. I kid you not. It was absolutely hilarious. And like Pepe's Unbelievable Game Show, Muppet Close and Personal only appears three times. Muppet Masters had a lot of potential. It certainly could have been more interesting and unique than Okie Dokie Cookin' or Muppet Lab's Field Test. Yet it only got two segments. One peculiar segment where Walter learns about Kermit's photobombing hobby, or as he refers to it, photobomy, and one where he learns about stage combat from Uncle Deadly, in a decently fun interaction between two Muppets who have never interacted before. So Muppets Now is a mixed bag, to be sure. In addition, if you dislike the lack of music in Muppets uh, ABC, you are not going to be happy to hear that not a single song appears in Muppets Now, not even an inkling of one, for one second at all. What made Muppets Now even weirder was that classic Muppets barely appeared in the show. Miss Piggy got her own segment, to be sure, but outside of the Fadabami sketch and the Don't Try This at Home warning, Kermit himself only appears in Muppets Now for a minute-long appearance in Lifestyle and an awkward gag where he randomly walks in front of the camera during an episode of Okie Dokie Cookin'. That's it. Kermit the Frog only has a handful of appearances in a Muppet show. Part of this is probably the voice actor, I get the feeling that Disney's unsure whether or not they want Matt Vogel to be the interim Kermit or the true new Kermit, and perhaps they wanted to limit his appearances in the show accordingly. I know Vogel's trying his best, but every time I hear post-2017 Kermit open his mouth, I picture the scene from Muppets Most Wanted where Vogel's Constantine, who usually has a thick Russian accent, tries to imitate Kermit's voice. It's nearly identical to the voice Vogel does for Kermit now, so... My brothers and I like to joke that Constantine must have won, and he's pretending to be Kermit under everyone's noses. Anyway, that explains Kermit's lack of appearances in the show, though it still is a shame, of course, but it doesn't explain the conspicuous absence of other beloved Muppets from Muppets Now. Fozzie at least gets to star in the best segment of the whole show alongside Seth Rogen, because other than that, I think he only has one other appearance. I think Gonzo appears for maybe 30 seconds during a Mupp Close and Personal interview with RuPaul, Statler and Waldorf make an admittedly fun appearance heckling Scooter for one episode. Sam the Eagle has one appearance during a Fadabami sketch. Rizzo the Rat and Ralph the Dog don't even appear at all. You know, in fact, now that I think about it, Ralph the Dog's an interesting microcosm for the increasing distance of time between Jim Henson and the Muppets. Ralph was one of the first characters Henson ever created, and he was well-known in his own right alongside Kermit the Frog, appearing on Sesame Street in its early run. He played a fairly sized role in the original Muppet movie. His recurring Veterinarian's Hospital segment was one of the most famous segments in all of the original Muppet show. But over the years, his appearances have been shrinking. He was an afterthought in Muppets 2011. He spoke maybe one or two lines in Muppets Most Wanted. He was one of the few characters not working for Miss Piggy's show in Muppets ABC, instead running the bar across the street in a couple of funny appearances. And now, in 2020, we do not even get to see him in Muppets Now. I'm not sure if Disney plans on renewing Muppets Now for another season, but I wouldn't bet on it. Out of the four major Muppet television avenues, The Muppet Show, Muppets Tonight, Muppets ABC, and Muppets Now, the latter has the lowest score on IMDb by a healthy margin. In fact, you can connect a line of the four shows that decreases slowly before dropping severely at the end. 
8.4 out of 10, to 7.7 out of 10, to 7.4 out of 10, to 6 out of 10. To many, it seems as though Muppets 2011 was a fluke. That the Muppets as a brand are simply a relic of the past, and that every time Disney tries to prove this theory wrong, they only end up strengthening the argument. However, I disagree with this thinking. I enjoyed Muppets Most Wanted, and as I've said, I found Muppets ABC to be quite a fun show. Indeed, even some of the segments and new additions to Muppets Now put a smile on my face. Joe from Legal, by the way, is a really fun new addition. Uh, I've, I, you know, so they can even add new stuff. And a lot of the new stuff that they've been doing, like Pepe's Game Show, the Seth Rogen bit, like I said, funny. I know that old charm is in there somewhere. But where do the Muppets go from here? Well, there's a few avenues. I'll go through the brand's options. First off, they should bring older Muppet shows and movies onto Disney+. I do ultimately think this is going to be something they're, they'll do. Disney has a habit of releasing movies and shows onto the platform that cause you to scratch your head and ask, wait, this wasn't already here? Most of the older Muppet movies are on Disney+, Plus, though I personally would like to see Muppets from Space because I haven't watched it since I was young. But what Disney Plus desperately needs is older Muppet shows. Right now, they only have Muppets ABC and, of course, Muppets Now. Again, nothing wrong with Muppets ABC, but I think the classic Muppet show could only help the platform. And heck, why not throw Muppets Tonight up on there as well? It might be some complicated distribution thing going back to the Disney purchase. Even researching it for this episode, I had trouble wrapping my head around the complicated business dealings of which party gets to keep what and what gets sold and blah blah blah. But I do think they have the rights for all the television shows, so why not? Throw Bear in the Big Blue House up there while they're at it. Familiarizing younger audiences and reminding older audiences of the Jim Henson Company's beloved characters couldn't hurt. With hopefully increased viewership of these older shows and movies, maybe Disney can get a better sense of what people want and what the Muppets used to be. That would greatly help them moving forward. A second possibility I see is a new Muppets movie. After the shaky success of Muppets ABC and Muppets Now, Disney may harken back to the days of Muppets 2011 and try to recreate that success. Realistically, I think this is also a very likely possibility down the line, though it would probably be a Disney Plus original movie, seeing as one, the last Muppet foray to the theater was a financial failure, and two, movie theaters are still hurting very badly from months without business, bleeding money, and could potentially be on their last legs in upcoming years. I don't know what this new Muppet movie would be about, but it could do the IP some good, probably feature many characters who have been shafted in recent years, especially in Muppets Now!, Maybe include some of the newer characters like Joe from Legal and Walter. Uh, but who knows for sure. The final possibility for the Muppets is perhaps the most obvious. More Muppets now. Yet it's the scenario I dread them most. <laughs> Cursing the Muppets to exist solely in season after season of bland, repetitive humor on Disney Plus for the foreseeable future is a fate they do not deserve. At the same time though, it could be Disney washing their hands of the Muppet problem altogether. Meh, we've tried movies and TV shows alike. Those dang Muppets aren't making us money no matter what we do. So let's give them a safe, cheap spot as Disney Plus regulars to pacify Muppet fans and save us from taking any more unnecessary risks. That's my Disney bigwig uh, voice. <laughs> Indeed, while Disney plans what comes next in the universe of Star Wars, what classic movie to transform into a big-budget remake, and what new toy to play around with next, Think of all the possibilities for their 20th Century Fox properties, perhaps the Muppets start to seem unworthy of much attention on their part at all. And if you ask me, that's a real shame. What direction do you think the Muppets will take going forward? A new movie? Older Muppet content on Disney Plus? More Muppets Now? Maybe some mix of multiple? And what do you think of Muppets Now? Oh, and of course I must ask, who is your favorite Muppet?
I've always been particularly fond of Sam the Eagle. He's always been a, a very funny straight man in the in the crazy world of Muppets. Fozzie and Kermit, of course, are iconic. Pepe, I love a lot. <laughs> um, but that's again, that's just me. Let us know though what your favorite Muppet is in the Discord link in the description, as always. I'm Matt. This has been another episode of Geeks Crossing, and you are all weirdos.